Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. It really is like uh, really special for me to be here. Uh, I got to know, you know, Danny when I was pastoring here in Orlando and I'm getting to know Pastor David. And so it's really just special for me to be here. I actually, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia now, uh, just me and Outcast. Um, anybody get that joke? Nothing? Okay. Um, it's going to be a long day if y'all don't laugh at my jokes, okay? I've been married 19 years. I need this. Um, <laughs> I actually have a picture of my family uh, that I want to share with you. Um, They are going to be at the next service because they're not fully Christian and didn't want to get up early. Um, So pray for the one in the back especially. That is my son, Aiden. Aiden is uh, about to be 19 years old. He is, uh, we let him take a gap year. He is a fly fishing guide on the Bighorn River in Montana. Uh, So pray for him because he is not suffering at all. Um, He's living in like, he's living in Neverland. That's what I call it right now. Um, That's my wife, Becca. Uh, Becca and I have been married 18 years. Uh, So if you can do math, I was not always serving Jesus. Um, anybody else got a backstory where you're thankful for the grace of God? Like four of you for real? <laughs> Some of you are like, don't look him in the eyes. Don't look him in the eyes. He'll know. Don't look him in the eyes. <laughs> That's my daughter, Riley. Uh, as you can see in that picture, Riley has a tracheostomy. Um, she is the 12th known case in the world of a rare genetic disorder. She sleeps on a ventilator at night. Uh, we have a suction machine that clears her airway. She has a feeding pump. We have nurses that get to our house at 10 p.m. and leave at 6 a.m. Um, and, and she's a little bit about what I want to talk about today. And I, I want to pose a question to you. And here's a question that I want to pose to you. What do you do when you have a crisis of faith? And, and I know here's what's interesting. Um, when I say the phrase crisis of faith, we don't even really know what that means because we all have these different, different interpretations of what that could mean. So let me say it to you this way. What do you do when God doesn't do what you think he should? Because all of us are going to experience that. We're all going to have these moments in life where God doesn't show up and God doesn't do what we really want God or think God should do. How many of you, like, if you're like, God, if you would just consult me on my life and I could give you some really good advice on the things that I need that would make my life better? All of us live there. All of us at the end of the day think we know what's best for us, but most of the time what I've learned in my life is the things that I need in, the, in my life the most are the things that I don't even know that I need. So often God is not doing what I think God should do. And some of you in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you, if, if I'm guessing just by the amount of people in this room, that there's something right now that you're sitting in that does not make sense. There's something that you are wrestling with right now that doesn't make sense. I got some videos like Danny said, I work for a, a global nonprofit where we get the gospel to kids all over the world. We've been doing a lot of work in the Ukraine right now. And I got, whoop, and I got... Um, One of you is really excited over here, and I'm going to preach to you. Um, And I got this video of a young girl in a bombed-out shelter playing hallelujah on her violin. 
How many of you know God's not doing what she thinks he should do? I think we look at the world that we live in right now, and I think a lot of us could say, God, you're not doing what we think you should do. And I think at times what we end up doing is, is, is we, we believe that it's unique to us. That we're the only ones that have been through this, we're the only ones facing this, that we're the only time in history where God's not doing what we think he should do. But the reality is, I believe if you go through scripture, what you see is that the Bible is really made up of a ton of different accounts and stories of God not doing what people think he should do. Take Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the Old Testament. They do the honorable thing and they do not bow down to the golden idol and they get thrown in the furnace. How many of you know, like we all know now that Jesus shows up in the furnace, but how many of you know when they're standing at the front of that furnace, they're going, God, for real? For real? I mean, Lord, like we were your guys. We didn't bow. And Nebuchadnezzar just like, get in there. What about Daniel. Daniel gets caught praying to God, worshiping God when he's not supposed to. Gets thrown in the lion's den. How many of you know as Daniel's probably standing at the edge of that lion's den, he's like, for real, Lord? What about Joseph in the Old Testament where Bathsheba comes after him? Or Potiphar's wife, sorry, Potiphar's wife comes after him. And he goes, no, I'm going to do the honorable thing. And he runs away so quickly that he actually leaves his cloak holding, her holding his cloak. And then Potiphar comes back and still throws him in prison. People do what's right all through scripture and then things don't turn out the way that they think they should. The same thing happens to us. What do you do when you get that phone call and the cancer's back? What do you do when you get that call from your, your spouse You've been married to for 20 or 30 years, and they look at you and say, I don't want to be a part of this marriage anymore. My wife and I were at Disney yesterday. My wife put us on a death march at Disney. Anybody ever done a death march at Disney? I was like, are you enlisting me? This is ridiculous. And I got a phone call from two of my old staff members that are on the verge of a divorce. And the wife is calling, sobbing to my wife, and I'm on the phone with the husband. How many of you know when they were standing at the altar the day that actually I did their wedding, they weren't thinking this was coming. That's not God doing what they think God should do. I can remember sitting in a hospital room when my daughter was put in the NICU and the doctors looked at us and said, your daughter has something called spinal muscular atrophy, which means her spinal column is dying. She'll live a year and you two will have to determine when to let her go. That's the moment where you're like, God, you're not like, and I'm a, I was a pastor at the time. And so I remember kind of going, but God, I'm on your team, man. You ever felt that? God, why aren't you doing what I think you should do? God, I'm one of your guys. I'm one of your girls. God, I do my devotional every day. God, I tithe. What do you do when God doesn't do what you think you should? You know, I've seen this absolutely crush people. I've seen people that when God doesn't do what they think he should, that they say, God, if this is how you are, I'm out. I'll just do my own thing. But I've also seen people where it pushes them deeper into a relationship with the Lord. And here's the thing, guys. It's a choice. It's not always feelings. It's a choice. So here's what I want to do 
this morning. I want to give you three things. Three things that I think that you're supposed to do when God doesn't do what you think he should do. And I want to encourage you to take notes. Because if you take notes, you get to pick where you live in heaven. Um, <laughs> Pastor David probably hasn't told you all that yet. Um, it's in the book of Second Hesitations. And, um, and so, now here, here's why I want you to take notes. Um, some of you are all like, that's good, all right. We get in the riverfront, girl. Um, so here's why I want you to take notes. I hope you know this. And I know Pastor David, Pastor Danny, everyone want to agree with this. Any person who ever stands on the stage as a preacher and communicates, at best, I am a broken man being used by God. And if anything that I say hits you and you're like, oh man, that's good, that's for me, please understand that is not me speaking to you, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And that is something that God wants you to hear that is specific for you. Because the reality is, is when we talk about God not doing what we think he should do, every single one of you, there is something right now in your life that you're probably thinking of or something that you have gone through that you're like, this didn't make sense to me. And maybe God's going to speak to you today. And please do not contribute that to me, but contribute that to God because God's the only one that knows where you are right now. And so he wants to speak to you. And so I believe it's important that we take notes because there's going to be moments in life where we need to reference something that the Lord spoke to us to give us encouragement for that moment. So I want you to write this down, and, and I want you to understand this. What I'm about to share with you, these three things, these are not just points that I'm coming to preach as a preacher. These are what I'm doing. This is what I've had to do. You know, 2020 uh, was a dumpster fire for the world. Some of you know exactly what I mean when I say dumpster fire. My family, we tailgated it in 2019. 2019, our life exploded. It absolutely exploded in one week. In one week, I was pastoring a church. I resigned after 17 years of being at one church. Tons of hurt, tons of betrayal, tons of emotions. Was in counseling twice a week really had to work through some things. The same week, my daughter gets her first ever real diagnosis because she was undiagnosed until she was 12 years old. The original diagnosis of spinal muscular atrophy, it wasn't right. So she was undiagnosed for 12 years. It comes back, we find out that she's actually the 12th known case in the world of a rare genetic disorder, and then we get a phone call from Medicaid that says, because she now has a, spino, or a genetic disability instead of a spinocerebral disability, you are losing all of your Medicaid in the state of Florida. So what happens is, is I've resigned from the place that I've been at for 17 years. Entire support system is here in Orlando and in Jacksonville, and now we've lost all of our Medicaid and we realize we cannot stay in the state of Florida. God wasn't doing what I thought he should. God, I, I was one of your guys. God, I served you and I loved you. And God, this isn't working out the way that I thought it should. And so I want you to understand that these three things I'm about to share with you, these come out of pain. These come out of me having to reconcile who God is in brokenness. It comes out of me having to reconcile who God is when things don't make sense to me. And so I want to give you three things. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. The first one is this. You need to remember what God has done. 
When God doesn't do what you think he should, you need to remember what God has done. You know, so here's what I want to do. I want to read all of Psalm 77 to you. Now, most of the times when you think of the Psalms, you think of these beautiful songs that people are singing to God. You know, Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am knit together in my mother's womb. God watched me as I was formed in the utter depths of seclusion. How beautiful is that? There's so many scriptures that talk about God's love for us and how great God is and how he takes care of us. I want you to think about that as I read Psalm 77 to you. It says this, I cry out to God, yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan. Overwhelmed with longing for his help, you don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed even to pray. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in those moments where you go to pray and you don't know what to say? Or you're just like, hey, Lord, um, ditto on yesterday. Just run it back, Lord. Or you ever pray and things get worse? Listen, if y'all don't respond to me, this is going to be a long Sunday, okay? I'm just telling you, you can shout at me, amen, preach it, get it, white boy, like whatever y'all want to say. Anybody ever pray and it get worse? <laughs> that, was, that was a little too, yeah, we know it. Yesterday, I've been there. I've been in those moments where you go in to pray and you're just like, God, I literally don't know what to say to you right now. This is where the psalmist is. He says, I think of the good old days long since ended. When my nights were filled with joyful songs, I searched my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? Verse 10 is so sad. And I said, the most high has turned his hand against me. This is where the psalmist lands in verse 10. That the way I feel, God, you're not doing what I think you should, and this is my fate, that you've turned your hand against me. Now look at verse 11, because everything changes in verse 11. But then, I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. So, oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations by your strong arm. You redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. I love this part. When the Red Sea saw you, oh God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The cloud poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. Could it be that the reason that God isn't doing what you think he should do is because the Lord sees a pathway that nobody else sees but him? Could it be that the reason that God said no to you is because a yes would have been the worst thing for you? See, sometimes what we've got to remember that it is out of his love and protection for us that God actually says no to the things that we desire in our hearts. Listen, a blessing too soon is not a blessing at all, but a curse. And sometimes the Lord knows that if I give you what you want, you're not ready for it. 
If I give you what you're asking for right now, it's actually going to hurt you. I never forgot, I got to go, um, when I first started traveling and preaching, um, I got asked to go preach at a, a large church overseas. And I was packing, and my wife, she was like messing with me. She's like, you're such a big deal, babe. She's like, look at you, traveling the world, preaching. I said, yeah, girl, don't you forget it. I didn't say that. Um, I didn't say that to her. I said, yes, ma'am. And, um, but she asked me a question. She said, she said, why do you think it's taken you so long to get these opportunities? And I'm always very careful when I say, I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to me or God said to me, but I felt like God said to me in that moment, because you desired platforms your character could not sustain. God knew the thing that I desired would actually hurt me if he gave it to me too soon. So what would it look like for you to remember all that God has done for you in your past? What would it look like for you today after church to make a list of the blessings of God in your life? It's so funny, I, I, you know, I, I call it Christian amnesia. It's amazing how God can bless us and watch over us and walk with us. And the first time we experience a trial, we're like, that's it, I'm a goner. And we just totally forget about God's faithfulness. I told you how 2019, our family tailgated uh, COVID and uh, it, we were so broken. I remember telling my wife at one point, I said, um, I said, I don't know what to do. I do not feel like spending time with God. I do not feel like praying right now. I said, I'm so hurt and I'm so broken. I said, but I don't want my children to see me only worship God when it's easy. I said, so I've got to do what I know I should do even though I don't feel like it right now. I said, so I'm gonna leave the house and I'm gonna go spend some time with the Lord. I'm gonna go journal, I'm gonna go read my Bible. Uh, we lived in Orlando, so often I would go work down at Disney Springs uh, because there is nothing that makes you feel better about your life than seeing a family melt down at about 2 p.m. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? We've all been there where you're like, I'm doing pretty good. Today is a good day. So I'm reading Mark chapter four, sitting at Disney Springs, judging melting down families, because uh, I'm a Christian. And um, I'm, I'm reading Mark chapter four. And in Mark chapter four, Jesus and his disciples are crossing the Sea of Galilee. A huge storm comes up out of nowhere. Now you have to understand what's interesting about this is the disciples are skilled fishermen. So how many of you know, they've been in tons of storms, but this storm is so big that they think they're gonna drown and die. Now, in the meantime, Jesus, Jesus, who is Jesus? I don't know. That's Jesus' cousin. Y'all don't know about him yet. <laughs> Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. And one of the disciples goes, well, shouldn't one of us wake up Jesus? So they wake up Jesus. Jesus walks to the front of the boat and says, peace be still. Now, when Jesus says that, the way it's written in the Greek, it says the entire environment changes. But here's what got me, and I've read this scripture a million times. Jesus then looks at the disciples and says, how have you still not learned to trust me? And it hits me for the first time ever. Now, mind you, at this point, I've been a pastor for 15 years. And I realized Jesus is asking them that question because of everything that they've seen him do in Mark 1 through 3. So I go through and I start looking at all the things that the disciples witnessed Jesus do in Mark 1 through 3. They've seen him heal people. 
They've seen people with demons come up, in, up to him and call him the son of God. They've seen him cast demons out. And I'm reading all this stuff and I'm going, God, how in the world do the disciples in just one moment of fear not trust you that Jesus is going to come through? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, cool, I was wondering the same thing about you. And I said, this isn't about me, Lord. This is about your wicked disciples and their dark hearts. And here I was, a pastor, a preacher. Where are you, Lord? God said, why don't you just remember everything I've already done for you? So I made a list. I went home that night, sat my family down for dinner. I cook because I'm the better cook in the house. Um, I can say that because my wife's not at the service. Um, and then I, I, I went through the list with my family. I said, what miracles have we seen God do in our life? And parents, let me just say this. It's really amazing to see what your kids think are miracles. It's really like heartwarming. Our daughter's like, our puppy. And I'm like, that's Satan's curse. And so like, but, but we, we wrote them down. So what would it look like for you today to write down the faithfulness of God in your past? What would it look like when you leave here that you sit with your family and say, hey, Let's make a list of all the times that God has come through. Because what I can tell you is when I struggle now, I actually have a track record to look back at, to remind myself, God, that my circumstances don't change your character. And if you were good yesterday, you're going to be good today, and you're going to be good in the future. Amen? The first thing is you need to remember what God has done. The second thing is you need to accept what God is doing. You need to accept what God is doing. Now, when I say accept what God is doing, I don't mean just rolling over and, and playing dead. I don't mean just like, have your way with me, Lord. Like, that's how I think people accept from that voice in my head. But I don't mean just saying, God, whatever. Just ha like, I'm not saying just rolling over and dying. But I'm also not saying to do what I see so many Christian people do. Now, I know no one at this service does this. It was probably the 830 crowd, okay? So we're just going to talk about y'all. We'll talk about them for a second. Have you ever met a Christian that even though things are going really bad, they never want to acknowledge it? Like they're walking in and you're greeting them and you're like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, I'm just blessed and highly favored. And you're like, well, you're missing an arm and you're bleeding. So <laughs> something's remotely, at, like I'm not saying do that either. I'm not saying either one of these extremes. And that's what people do at times. I don't want to acknowledge it, or they just want to go over, over the top. And can I please say this? This is just a soapbox method that has nothing to do with anything. If you're going through a hard time, don't go on Facebook and talk about it where nobody can really hold you accountable. Get in a small group and talk about it with somebody that can actually be in your life and seen. Okay, so, so here's, the, here's the problem that I think so many of us have trouble accepting what God is doing. We get stuck in a question. The question we get stuck in is why? We try to figure it out. When we had our daughter, I was stuck in why for four to five years. I was a mess theologically. I was, a, I, I, I was so screwed up because I kept trying to figure out why. Why? Listen, I can't program the clock in my car. If I can figure out the purposes of God, how many of you know I've made him a little too small? One of you, thank you. Let me give you a different question to ask. Instead of asking why, ask God, what do you want me to do with this? 
What if the greatest struggle and the greatest trial that you have is the greatest thing that God wants to use in your life and in the life of others? Let me give you an example. I have another picture of my daughter up here. This is Riley. Um, This is one of Riley's modeling pictures. Um, My daughter uh, is a diva. Um, And I don't say that lightly. I mean, if you were to rank divaness, there is Beyonce, J-Lo, Riley. She's third ranking amongst the world. And she has a 15-minute facial regimen she does every night. Have you ever walked in on a child in a wheelchair with a jade roller going, I don't want wrinkles, Dad? And I'm like, all right, share it with your mom. Um, <laughs> nobody like that joke? <laughs> Some men in here right now are going, baby, I'd never say that about you. <laughs> uh-uh, girl. You look just like the day we married. Um, so she is a diva. She loves clothes, she loves fashion, she loves makeup, she follows all the bloggers, all the Instagram, all the YouTube, everything about fashion, makeup, all that. So one day I'm going out of town and she goes, hey dad, I wanna start a blog. And I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking in my head, she wants to start a blog because she wants to be internet famous like everybody she follows. So now it's my job as her father to espouse wisdom on her on why, why these aren't real friends and that's not real influence. So I sit there and I just give her like a dissertation, like I've been preparing for this my entire life. And she just is nodding, she's so sweet. She's just nodding, smiling at me like, go on idiot. And so I'm just, she's like, so I get done. She goes, well that's not why I wanna start a blog. And I go, why do you wanna start a blog? She goes, you know how I love fashion, right? I'm like, baby, everybody's aware of how you love fashion. The accountant, the banker, everything. Everybody knows. Amex, we all know how you love fashion. She said, well, here's what I've learned because I love fashion so much. She's like, there's not a lot of things out there to teach other little girls how to dress that are in wheelchairs and walkers. She said, so I thought I could start a blog to teach them how to dress trendy even if they were in a wheelchair or a walker. That's also the moment that I learned that I loved her more than my son. Was that moment... (laughs) That was the moment where I whispered to her, you're going to get it all. (laughs) First time I made that joke, he was sitting on the front row. It did not go as well. He's like, I'm like, you knew I didn't like you. Um, Just teasing. He's awesome. I make a joke. Here's all seriousness. Here's a 14-year-old little girl for the rest of her life could have asked why. Why, God, did you make me this way? Why, God, did you allow me to be this way? Whatever your theological slant is. Why am I like this? She could have been angry. She could have been disappointed. For the rest of her life, she could have been mad about it. And at 12, she asked God, what do you want me to do with this? She's 14. We're grown behind people. What if your greatest struggle is the thing that God wants to use greatest in your life? What if that divorce you thought you would never get past is the thing that God is saying, if you would ask me a different question, I'll help it. What if that addiction that you still struggle with is God saying, if you would ask me a different question, I'm going to show you how we can use it. 
what would it look like for you today? Instead of saying, God, why? Just say, God, what do you want me to do with this? Because I can promise you, listen to me, your uniqueness and your pains and your hurts and your mistakes, they are not a liability to God. They are an asset in his hands if you put them in his hands. And I always, and I always think, I always think, this is just the way I picture stuff, and I just think that sometimes in moments like this that God's like kind of leaning over just going, ask me a different question. Do you understand what I could do with this if you would just give this to me? Do you understand what I could do in you if you would give this to me? And I know this is your greatest, listen to me, sometimes your greatest shame is the thing that God wants to use the most. We have a way of letting shame totally take us out of the game. Shame will make you think that there is nothing God can do with you. I've been there. I know what shame feels like. But I think so many times what we have to understand, and please hear me when I say this, the way that you feel about yourself is not the way that God feels about you. At all. So what would it look like for you to accept what God is doing? What would it look like for you to ask a different question? The third and final thing is this. You need to trust what God will do. You need to remember what he's done. You need to accept what he's doing. And you need to trust what God will do. Now let me say this. That is hard. I remember I would be in church, when I grew up in church, I would hear the pastor say things like, if I could know the Lord the same way I know him now, I'd walk through it all over again. And I would hear pastors say that, having a special needs child. And I'm thinking to myself, man, he can have all this. I'm going to tell you all right now, if the Lord walked in that back door and said, hey, you can never preach again, but your daughter will be fully healed, I'm out. I don't love anybody that much. So what happens is, is, is it's so hard to trust in these moments. You know why I think it's so hard? Because our emotions are huge, right? Like we all have human emotions and most of the time, I don't know, maybe all of you are better Christians than me, but when something bad happens, I'm not immediately first thing filled with faith. I'm not like, not today, devil. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. What's gonna happen? And if I'm not careful, I will just ride that emotional wave crashing into the shore. Some of you in here, you know what I'm talking about. The reason it's so hard to trust is because most of us stand on our emotions and not on the Word of God. Listen, your emotions, hear me, your emotions are fickle. They change. You will feel the one way about something one day and something totally different the next. The only thing that you and I need to stand on that is worth building our life on and standing on in the moments of heartache and pain is something that doesn't change. And I don't know about you, but I haven't found anything else on this side of eternity that doesn't change like the Word of God. Everything else, and what we're doing in this world is we're making everything relative and subjective. So truth is relative to how you feel or it's subjective to where you live, the town you live in, the city you live in. Listen, that is not truth if it's changing. Truth is the inerrant, never-changing Word of God. 
And so what we need to do is we need to know the word of God well enough so that when the hard times come and God isn't doing what we think he should do, that we have something to stand on that doesn't change with our emotions. So let me tell you what I did. There's a great theological tool that you can use called Google. (laughs) You can go to Google and you can type in scriptures for suffering, scriptures for heartache, scriptures for trials. I carry this journal in my wallet that's scriptures. Some pastors are good, like Pastor Danny, he has the whole Bible memorized, the entire thing. Seriously, after service, y'all form a line and ask him to quote all of Song of Solomon, and he will quote the whole thing. (laughs) I really hope that happens. Um, I will pay to see that. Um, So I carry these scriptures because there are days that are hard. And there are days that God isn't doing what I think he should. I'll be honest with you, um, a couple Wednesdays ago, uh, my daughter had, I probably won't share this in the next service because she won't, she'll be here. She had a youth night at the church. And she came home in tears because it didn't go the way that she wanted it to because her friends treat her different because she's in a wheelchair. She, Riley's mentally all there. And it's not kids being mean, it's just they don't know how to handle it. That day I went into, that, that evening I went to go spend some time with God and this was the way my prayer started. I'm really frustrated at you right now, Lord. I'm really mad at you. Because I know you're able to do anything. I don't understand why you're not willing all the time. But God, I know these are my emotions. And God, I know that you're painting on a canvas that is bigger than I can see. So God, help me remember the truths of Scripture. God, help me to remember that you, you wait patiently for the Lord to help me cry, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He was giving me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see he has done and will be amazed. They will put tr- their trust in the Lord. We know, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those that love him and been called according to your purpose. And I just start reading scripture and saying, God, help me to believe this. Help me to believe that this emotion and this frustration and this anger is not my reality, God, but the truth of your word is my reality. And can I just say this? God can handle your anger. God can handle your frustration. The thing that shows me where people are with God is when you get angry at him and you still go to him. So what would it look like for you to do three things today? Go home today and write down a list of all the blessings that God has given you in your life. And I'm talking like even the small ones, like the fact that you woke up with air in your lungs today is a blessing from God. The fact that you walked in here is a blessing from God. The fact that you are to work and earn money is a blessing of God. There are no self-made men or women. What would it look like for you to make a list of the blessings? What would it look like for you to change your question? Instead of asking why, ask God, what do you want me to do with this? What would it look like for you to go and write some scriptures that help you in your greatest need to trust God in the most pain? 
And for some of you in here, maybe that's step two. All three of them may be step two for you. Maybe you're in here and you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I just say this? It is always, always, always about Jesus. Without Jesus, when we suffer and God doesn't do what we think he should, we're on our own. The reason that we have hope is because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And so I'm able to go to God in my anger and in my frustration. And I know that my Savior is right at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for me. It's always about Jesus. Because without Jesus, we're all in trouble. Without Jesus, we're left to our own devices. Without Jesus, we are eternally separated from God. And maybe you're in here for the first time and you're like, listen, I need to do step two, but the first thing I need is I need to commit or recommit my life to Jesus. Please hear me that Jesus is the ultimate game changer in our lives. You and I are able to be who we are, not because of the things that we do and do not do, but because of who Jesus Christ is and what he did on the cross for us. So here's what I'm doing. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me. If you're in here this morning, you're just like, Josh, I, I, I need to commit my life to Christ. Listen, the Bible is very clear that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And what that means is that every person who has ever lived on this earth, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus Christ is that Savior. And the Bible tells us that when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected for us, that in that moment, we are reconciled to God. We are brought into right standing with God. And also your sins are separated from you as far away as the east is from the west, and you are now the righteousness of Christ. The Bible says when we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that we are saved. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna count to three. And if you're in here, and you say, Josh, I need to commit, I need to recommit, whatever that is for you, I, I always tell people if the Holy Spirit's moving on your heart, just respond to it. If you need to commit or recommit your life to Christ, I'm gonna count to three, and I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise them, amen, 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 amen. There's lots and lots of hands. Come on, church, can we clap for that? Now, I'm a, stay with me. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. God, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you first and foremost for your son, Jesus. God, thank you that you willingly sent him. And Jesus, thank you that you willingly went for us. Thank you, God, that you love us and that you seek us out. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you, God, in our moments of hurt and pain and brokenness, God, that you're there with us. Now, everybody, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer, and I just want you to repeat this back to me, and come on, let's say it like we mean it. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Right now, I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God, that you were crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected for me. Save me, Jesus. Be the Lord of my life. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.